Watson with the keeper. The game is never over till the end. He's in! Whenever that clock strikes zero. 15-yard touchdown run for Deshaun Watson. There is no offseason. Nuke with the TD catch! For your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Starting 0-3 and winning the division. It's a monumental achievement. And now we have to build on it. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. What trips him up for a sack? Oh, my goodness. Now, from inside NRG Stadium, it's Texans All Access. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to a Tuesday edition of Texans All Access. I have to remind myself it is only Tuesday because typically I'm here on Wednesday. But it is a Tuesday evening right in the middle of free agency tampering, legal tampering period, and I'm Jack to be with you tonight. It was good listening to Wade Smith talk with Clint Sterner and Paul Gallant on the previous, uh, the previous few hours. They did, I thought, a great job breaking things down, and I will try and continue that. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, and we have got a special guest in the next segment it has to do with the news that came down early this morning. When we walked out of the studio yesterday, when DP City and I walked out of the studio yesterday, what we knew at the time was that Kevin Johnson was signing with the Buffalo Bills and that Tyron Matthew was going to sign and will sign tomorrow with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what we knew. A little later that night, I want to say it was a little bit later that night, Kareem Jackson agreed to a deal with the Denver Broncos. Now, it's been very interesting to watch that unfold because I I follow somebody from every team in the league. I don't, for some reason, I follow a couple, two, three people from Denver. I don't know why it's Denver, but I just follow two, three people from Denver. And they keep saying, cornerback, 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 cornerback. And I'm like, hold up, y'all. Y'all going to be in a world of hurt if you're thinking about putting Kareem at corner. That's not where he belongs. That's not where he wants to be. He's a safety. But they're paying him like a corner. Then again, the way the safety market is gone, maybe they're paying him like a safety. So that all happened before I eventually put my head down on a pillow about 1 in the morning, hoping, wondering what was going to happen with the Texans. Now, I, I said yesterday, and I actually called a buddy of mine on the way home, and I'm like, look, this energy, this this free agency period is, it's equal parts frustrating and exhilarating all at the same time. It's exhilarating because you you see where players are going and you start oh this player's going here and it's kind of fun to watch all that happen. But when you really think about it, you build this thing through the draft. That's what you have to do. But you can't go into a season and go, well we'll just go get three corners in the draft. Or we'll just go get two offensive tackles in the draft. Now, there might be situations where you might have to, and this might be one of them, just based on what is out on the market. But Kevin Johnson, Buffalo. Tyron Matthew, Kansas City, and now Kareem Jackson out to Denver. So that's three defensive backs out the door. Now, I know hearing from a lot of you and reading what a lot of you have to say, a lot of you are like, you weren't totally concerned about who it was but you were concerned that it was numbers. You weren't concerned that it was Tyron or that it was Kareem or that it was Kevin. You were concerned the fact that it was three defensive backs. What are you going to do? Well, I woke up in the morning and what did you see? The Texans came to an agreement with safety to Sean Gibson. And it's not Tayshawn, it's Tashawn. So make sure we're clear on that. Tashawn Gibson. Got it? 
He is from Dallas, so we're gonna we're gonna let that slide because he's gonna come in here and hopefully take over one of the safety spots and do a really good job. He steps in, his deal, three years, twenty two million dollars. Now, this whole thing comes down to value management. Value management. Now you know how and I've been saying this for months. I wanted Tyron Matthew to come back. I love the Badger. I love everything about him. He's costing the Kansas City Chiefs $14 million a year. And good for him. I, I, he deserves every every dollar. He deserves it. But you're going to get to Sean Gibson, who covers the – listen, I got a, I got a piece going up on HoustonTexas.com, and I got one, actually one piece of video of Gibson one-on-one against Gronkowski. So in two games against Gronkowski, AFC Championship game in 2018 Week 2, how many catches did Gronk have in that in those two games? Now, the first one, the AFC Championship game was really only half because he got he got dinged. I think it was Barry Church, actually, who drilled him right before the half. I think that was him. So he only played a half. But in a game and a half against the Jags, he had three total catches. Did not catch one on Gibson. He caught a flat route in the zone, and he caught another one on, uh, I think it was Ronnie Harrison, the other safety. He did not catch one on Gibson. Matched up one-on-one, shut Gronk down. Zach Ertz, London, four catches, 26 yards against uh, Gibson and the Jaguars. What did what did Zach Ertz do against the Texans in December in Philadelphia? It was ugly. Oh. Travis Kelsey did have five for 100, but he had one 40-yard catch, which was not on Gibson. And that really, Kelsey was the only one really to have success as a tight end catching the football against the Jaguars. Now, obviously, the Texans will see, well, maybe see Gronk this year. I don't know totally about that. They definitely will see Travis Kelsey. So they're going to see some good tight ends. They're going to see Eric Ebron. And that's one game I want to go back and see, the 6 nothing game against the Colts where the Colts held to zero points after scoring all kinds of touchdowns how many weeks in a row. And then all of a sudden they get against the Jags and the Jags shut them down. The Jags win with a Cody Kessler special 6 nothing. Eric Ebron in division. Got to stop him twice. Jonu Smith in a division. Got to stop him twice. And I think the Titans will add a tight end to it. So those are going to be guys that Deshaun Gibson is going to have to go ahead and cover. So at three years at $22 million, roughly seven and a, $7.3 million a year on average, the Texans got a guy that can go out and at a minimum – Go cover tight end. At a minimum, go cover tight ends. At a minimum. And I had a chance to talk to him, and we're going to have that interview for you in the next segment. He's he's not the biggest guy in the world. Now, on the field, he looks he looks good size. When you meet him up close, you're like, whoa, he's not that big. And I've seen Gronk up close. I've seen Kelsey up close. I've seen Ertz up close. They all tower over him. And Gibson was able to be very successful against those guys. He's a very physical safety and that I think is going to be very very helpful against those tight ends now it doesn't mean he can't cover other guys playing in the middle of the field he did a lot of that against Jacksonville or uh, with Jacksonville he had an interception last year was actually against the Chiefs and I broke that down on my football one-on-one you have a chance to see that I think Gibson stepping in with Justin Reed with Andre Howell it's going to make for a nice three safety combination and you'll hear Tashaun say this as we talk this is eighth year in the NFL undrafted guy out of Wyoming but one of the things about Gibson that I thought was hugely important, and I think this is going to be something to keep an eye on going forward, 
when Gibson was in college at Wyoming with his brother, Gibson played corner the entire time. He played three three years of corner, well, three and a half, sorry. And then halfway through his senior year, there were some injuries at safety, and that's when he moved to safety. He's undrafted. He gets with Cleveland. He ends up making the Pro Bowl with Cleveland in 2014. He then goes to Jacksonville, three years in Jacksonville. Does a really nice job for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but caught in a cash and a cap casualty situation as the Jaguars had to clean house to get Nick Foles in. So Gibson, Carlos Hyde, Malik Jackson, a lot of good football players had to be shown the door. And that was to the Texans' benefit. So again, you go back to the value situation. Even if you brought Kareem Jackson back as a safety, Kareem's going to be making $11.5 on average at 31 years old. And really hasn't played all that much safety. Now you're getting a true bona fide safety in Gibson at like $7.3 million. Now you're going, well, wait a second, John. you got all this cap room. Why does it matter that you're, you're finding value? Because that's what it's all about. Because it's about finding value. Because what's going to happen in a couple of years, you're going to have to pay to Sean Watson. Right now, you're going to have to find a way to get a long-term deal done with Devion Clowney. So you've got to be able to have that money. Draft and develop your own. But if you're able to supplement what you have, and Texas did that with a guy like Zach Fulton last year. They did that. I mean, I thought that was, that was the perfect move. They didn't break the bank for some offensive lineman. They found a really good offensive lineman in Zach Fulton. They got him for good value. So that, I think, is what they've done with Deshaun Gibson. A little later in the day, just as I was about to finish all of my work on Deshaun Gibson, news comes down, and this one is not made official yet. The Texans did announce the Deshaun Gibson signing earlier. Now, they could do that because Gibson had been a cap casualty with Jacksonville. So because he had been released, waived, he could sign immediately. That's what Eric Weddle did. That's what Deshaun Gibson did. News came down. The Texans are to add another corner for the Denver Broncos in Ohio State. If you are of uh, Buckeye ilk, well, here you go. Bradley Roby. Now, one thing I started thinking about with Roby is the guys that the Texans will look at at corner. I get asked this a lot. You know, what, what are they going to look like? Are they going to look like, uh, you know, Cream, J. Joe, like size-wise, Kevin Johnson, all that kind of stuff? At the Combine in 2014, Bradley Roby at 5'11", 195, ran a 4'39". He had a short shuttle of 4.04 and a three-cone that was outstanding of 6.74. He had a vertical jump of 38.5 inches and a broad jump of 10, point, uh, uh, 10 feet 4 inches. He bench-pressed 17 reps. Now, 5'11", 195 isn't the longest, rangiest kind of guy. You know, Richard Sherman's a longer guy. There's some other longer type athletes, but those are the kind of dimensions you need to start thinking about for corners that the Texans will end up drafting. And I would imagine they're going to draft, I would imagine they're going to draft a corner, maybe two, maybe one early and maybe one late, maybe one they take a kind of a a back of the draft flyer on that they can add to the mix. But Bradley Roby is a corner. He's not a safety. He could be a nickel. He could move inside. But to Sean Gibson's teammate, and we'll talk about Aaron Colvin in a little bit, he's the guy you would think is going to end up being the nickel. Roby could go inside to the nickel. There are some things you could do, but now you at least have a corner that you throw into the mix, Bradley Roby. 
along with Jonathan Joseph, Jermaine Kelly, Johnson Batamosi, and others. I still think one more is either needed, and that can come through free. I think I I did a I did a fifty. I know I'm weird. I did a fifty-three man roster already, and I think I have two spots: one for another free agent and one for a rookie at corner. Because yes, going out and getting free agents is is great, and oh, okay, you've got some depth. These guys have played in the NFL and they got experience. And Bradley Roby's got a ring with the Denver Broncos. Nothing replaces a young, athletic corner that can step up and cover anybody in this division. So, when we left you yesterday, Tyron Matthew, Kevin Johnson, Kareem Jackson, they are moving on. Moving in to Sean Gibson at safety and Bradley Roby. The Roby deal apparently is a one-year, $10 million prove-it deal. You see the one-year... When you see guys are getting one-year deals, those are prove-it deals. That's what Tyron got last year. Tyron got a one-year, $7 million deal, going to prove that he still got it, and then he ends up banking money. And, yes, it's with the Kansas City Chiefs. But here's another aspect to this. Because the Texans went and made that one-year, $7 million deal, basically what the Texans did, they it, it was sort of a prove-it deal to them, but one of two things was going to happen. Either they were going to get Tyron Matthew back, or if Tyron hit like they thought he was going to, they're going to get a comp pick for that. So in essence, they paid one year $7 million, and more than likely they'll get a third-round comp pick. So they essentially got a, a third-rounder in 2020 for $7 million. That's not that bad. That's not that bad. And maybe that's what they do with Bradley Roby as well. As well. So we'll see what happens there. Now, on the other side, let's get to meet Sean Gibson. He sat down with me in studio just a few minutes ago. He went to Wyoming, so he understands the whole rodeo thing, so he didn't feel out of place. He's from Dallas, so he gets Texas. We talked a lot about the Texans, the Jags, what he brings to the table. Tashawn Gibson, the newest Texan, with us exclusively next right here on Texans All Access. Can't get enough Texans radio? We've got shows. We've got podcasts. We've got interviews. It's all on HoustonTexans.com. to the show that keeps you up to date on the Houston Texans. Texans All Access. All right, this is going to be a lot of fun. Welcome back to the show. It is a Tuesday night. We're day two into the legal tampering period of free agency. The new league year starts tomorrow. I'm your host, John Harris, and I am joined by the newest assignee of the Houston Texans, Deshaun Gibson. Deshaun Welcome back to Texas, man. How's that feel to be back in your home state? Man, I couldn't even describe it. The feeling just being back in the state of Texas is just awesome, amazing feeling right now. And that's just one of the biggest things I take away from this, man, is I took it for granted, man, being able to be close to home, playing in front of my family. And, you know, you always got to understand, man, football is such a big deal out here. And, you know, coming back in this environment, you really can't beat this. I couldn't have scripted my career to land <laughs> and fall on a, in, in a better environment than it is right now. For three years, we had a chance to watch you on the other sideline which is always kind of tough, especially that opener in 2017. That was really tough because y'all, y'all literally were trying to knock out everybody we had on offense. I mean, it was pretty clear y'all were trying to do that. But as you watch from the other sideline, what did you see with this organization that made you want to be a part of it? You know, I think that, uh, you know, you, you, you always understood the pieces that they had. And I think that that moment last year, the last game here, the home game, yeah. um, playing here, obviously Houston was 
plan for, you know, home field advantage and, you know, obviously you had a shoe in. But you just looked and you seen the atmosphere and the environment. First of all, the atmosphere in the stadium yep. was insane. Um, and the, the the environment and just the passion that those guys play with. I mean, like, we are highly paid professional athletes. Don't get me wrong. Everybody's <laughs> supposed to play, you know, right. each play like it's their last. But, man, just just, just the, 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 the passion that they came out, man, and um, playing against this team. For, for, for two times a year, and you understand what they have and who they have, man. You have a franchise quarterback over here. Yep. You have the best receiver in the league, in my opinion, and, and, and many other people's opinions. And you just have so many moving parts, not to mention the defensive line, you know, because that speaks for itself. And it's just one of the situations where when everything met, ad, added up from just everything outside of the football realm, yep. you look and say, man, the football part is easy, man. There's so many great guys in this locker room that I don't personally know yet, but I'm right. excited to get to know. But from a football standpoint, those guys know ball. Now, we know that you were part of one of the best defenses in the league. No matter what the record was last year, yep. no matter what it was in 2017, you go to the AFC Championship game, you are one of the best defenses in the league. And you played with a guy, A.J. Boya, that we know. But you played with some some bad dudes back there. What was it? What was it like playing with that defense, and what did you learn playing with that oh, defense? Man. Yeah, you know, first of all, the original Jackson 5, Aaron Colvin, myself, A.J. Bouye, Barry Church, and Jaden Ramsey, of course. Um, and just, just, just that, that, that fire, that passion, man, it just, when we were on, it, it, it just was a fire, and it's just a passion. It's, it, you knew what it felt like. Yep. We took the field like you're not going to completely pass on us, and if you do, it's probably going to be one or two. <laughs> it's going to be a long day for you. you yep. Please call man every down because we know that we got the guys. You ain't going to beat us. Your, your three is not going to beat our three. Your four won't beat our four. And I think just that swagger, and that was the biggest thing. We would go on the board, and we would talk about individual goals uh, each week, what we want to do, man, and just the biggest thing that we took away from it, that swagger. We just a bunch of guys who really, and a lot of people didn't understand, and a lot of people took that as being cocky and arrogant, man. And you know, we went out there, we talked, and we backed it up, man. And that swagger, it taught, you know, it really taught me for the first time, man, how to just go out there and play with that juice, that swagger, man. And uh, you know, we brought it in Jacksonville. Unfortunately, the record didn't um, truly uh, equal uh, the production on what we were doing on the back end. But man, make no mistake about it, man, those guys and what we did in Jacksonville, man, was incredible. Watching you on film, there's a lot of different things that you can do. I think a lot of people don't know this dating back to your days back at Wyoming. I do a lot of draft stuff. So going back to your days at Wyoming, you played corner the entire time yeah. up until your senior year, and then uh-huh. you moved over to safety. And then right. obviously safety is where you made your home, but you're asked to do a lot of covering right. uh, in the league. And you did that for Cleveland. You did it for Jacksonville, and you're going to do it here. And, and one, of, one of the positions you cover very well is the tight end. And watching you against a guy like Gronk and watching you against a guy like Kelsey. Now, I've seen those guys up close. You're not of their size. Of course not. But you get in there and you battle. What's the key when you take on a tight end of that ilk? And you faced them all last year. You right. faced Ertz and Kelsey and Gronk. Ebron they did and a really nice job against those guys. What's the key in facing those type guys, and especially those that we're going to see this year? Absolutely. I think that, you know, first of all, it just was a mindset that was instilled that, you know, that one-on-one, you have to win your one-on-one matchups if you want to be successful in this league. But, you know, physicality, I think that, you know, uh, when the, between the lines, you know, a guy might stand 6'5", 260, but you really going to have to out-physical me. Yeah, you, you might be more physically imposing than I am, but when it comes down to it, grown man strength is grown man strength, man. And uh, I think that that right there I took pride in. I liked going against those bigger guys, you know, those bigger physical guys like Gronkowski, you know, because those are the, the games that you, you, you wanted to test your manhood and say, okay, this is a big physical imposing guy. Gronk is probably the strongest tight end I've had, had to go against. You know, and I went against some uh, incredible athletes at tight ends, and tight ends are evolving. I think that the biggest thing is just the mindset going in there, and, you know, these tight ends, you're going to have to be physical with them. You win the physical, the physical matchup because – 
nine times out of ten, you're going to lose the size matchup, the true yep. physical matchup. These tight ends are coming in. They're bigger and they're stronger and they're Ooh. faster. Uh, you know, they're getting Do you stronger. see them at the combine? I mean, tell oh me about Oh, my goodness. It. You know, so I think that they, they're getting bigger and stronger and faster, and they're being used more and more in these offenses. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, if you can win a physical, the game of football, man, is a man's game. So long as you can be physical, obviously there's other parts that got to go with it. You got still got to be able to run and be able to anticipate certain things. But my biggest thing was you was going to have to truly beat me. And if you was going to beat me, it was going to be a long day for you because I'm really going to be chirping at you all day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's the thing, man, just the mindset that we had and it's just the mindset that I've always had, man, just that chip on my shoulder how I play with. For people that haven't seen you, now they, they obviously were watching the Texans twice a year against the Jaguars, but maybe there's some Texans fans that weren't paying attention to what Jackson was doing or what Cleveland was doing. Of course. What do you bring to the party? I know you talked about swag. I know you talked about toughness. What are you bringing to the party for this defense? You know, I think that, but but besides just, like I said, the swagger and the toughness, man, I know for a fact that I am a playmaker in the secondary. Uh, I am. I, I have been, I've done it throughout my career consistently, and I think that the biggest thing that I can bring is, man, just, you know, my ability to be able to adapt to any system and go out there and make plays and do what's asked of me. I'm not a guy who, 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 who who's willing to go rogue and try to make a play. I know my plays will come to me, and I understand that within a defense, when I have my opportunities, I take my opportunities. And uh, if anybody want to turn on the tape and dispute that, I'll <laughs> gladly let them do that, man. But, you know, me personally, it's just it, it's a team game, man. And being able to thrive in a, in, in a defense like this, I think that this defense fits me and suits me so well, man. And you have so many moving parts. When you have a front seven like that with, yep. with, with you know, Merciless and, and Clowney and, and Watt, and, I mean, it's hard to not be productive in this defense, and which is why the DBs in the Houston Texans uh, system is always productive. And it's, you know, those it starts with those front seven, rush and cover go together. Yep, you know? Absolutely, no doubt. How's it feel to be reunited with Slick? And man, he was a he FaceTime yes he FaceTime me last night when we kind of knew that this deal was pretty much final. Yeah. He FaceTime me, man, and uh, you know he was excited. He was excited. He, <laughs> you know, the the we just sat down FaceTime, man, and me me and AC had some of our some of some deep talks, man, some some real heart to heart talks, man, and that is truly like my brother, like truly like one of the closest guys, uh, one of my closest teammates, man, one of the guys who you met as a teammate but you leave as a brother, and he truly is somebody who I look at like that, man. So. Being reunited with him, I mean, you you walking into a locker room with somebody who you have just this great relationship with, man. That that definitely helps the atmosphere, man. So I'm excited to be here partnering up with him, man. We're gonna do some damage this year. Yeah, no doubt. Now, just one last question before I let you go: the free agent process. Yeah, you've you've been through that. You made a decision to go to Jacksonville, right? Then Jacksonville obviously makes its decision that leaves you op- opportunity to go wherever you want to go at that right. point. Is it stressful? Is it exciting? Is it kind of all of the above? What was, what's the process? Oh, without like question, I think that anybody who this process last time, it, it, I was a young guy, and I, I, I will say what a lot of guys probably wouldn't say is I was chasing the I was chasing the money, man. I wanted I was an undrafted guy who who never made you know much money in the league, mm-hmm. and when I had my opportunity, I struck while I could. Yep. This this process was a little more different for me, and which was why I felt like it was a little more stressful. But at the same time, it was exciting. You sit there and you think about it. You say, the opportunities that you might have, I could end up on a team that's going to a Super Bowl. You know, the opportunity, just a whole new city, a whole new environment to adapt to. It's a little stressful because at the end of the 
day, when it comes down to the meat and potatoes of things, you know, you still got to make sure that you choose the right team. I don't want to just go for a team who offered me the most dollars. I right. don't want to go to a team with the biggest name or because of this is, uh, you know. And, you know, that makes it stressful because at that point you have to sit down and analyze everything and you have to realize, okay, how does this fit me as a player, first of all? How successful can I be, first and foremost? How's the city? Um, you know, you, you, you want to know, okay, how's the coaches? And, you know, when you get to this stage of my career, this is year eight, um, all those things start weighing in. Some days you're excited about the process and, you know, uh, some days you're not. Fortunately for me, I only had three days of being, um, you know, uh, unclaimed. But those three days, man, I can tell you, man, my emotions was I would be happy. And yeah. then I would get really, like, sad, like, <laughs> yeah. man, where? And then I get happy. We talk to my agent, and then you get excited, and you say, okay, this team, this is what they're talking about. And then you just go through a process where you're sad because you're like, man, I truly don't know how this is going to end, man. Yeah. But you're praying for the best, but you also understanding that sometimes that don't work out how you plan it. But unfortunately for me, man, by the grace of God, man, and glory be to him, I landed in a perfect opportunity, man. Everything truly just worked out perfect for me, man. And here I am. I'm sitting here talking to y'all. I'm in Houston, man, and I can't beat this. Deshaun, that's great stuff, man. Congratulations. Congratulations to your family because that's a big part of this as well. Welcome to Houston, my man. And we're going to do great things this year. I appreciate year. Thank it. Thank you for having me. Well, that was fun. Had a really good time talking to Deshaun Gibson, newest Houston Texan safety. About six foot. I mean, he was looking me right in the eye, about six foot, about 215. And when you see him on the field, he looks long and rangy, but, boy, he's tough. He is really tough. I went and watched the the week two game against the Patriots. And I watched those games that, that he had to cover tight ends and covering Zach Ertz and covering Gronk and covering Kelsey. And, I mean, I, I go back to that Ertz game. I mean, obviously, Gronk has just destroyed us for years. And, like, how do you cover him? You put two guys on him, uh, you know, you put Zach on him, then you put Kareem with him. I mean, you had so many, you tried so many different things. Jacksonville just said, "Hey, Tashawn, you got him. Go get him and shut him down." So that player now resides in the Texans secondary. So hopefully tomorrow and the day after that, we'll get a chance to talk to Bradley Roby and whoever the Texans add next. The teams have been adding players. Well, they're due to add players. They have been agreeing to terms with many. One star in the NFL agreed to terms, went to bed, woke up and said, whoa, I like purple. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what the AFC South has done and where will Le'Veon Bell land. We'll talk about all that next right here in Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. All Access continues in a moment. All Access. Don't miss an episode of our Texans podcasts. Subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher to get the latest sent right to your phone. Welcome back to Texas, man. How's that feel to be back in your home state? Man, I couldn't even describe it. The feeling just being back in the state of Texas is just awesome, amazing feeling right now. And that's just one of the biggest things that I take away from this, man, is I took it for granted, man, being able to be close to home, playing in front of my family. And, you know, you always got to understand, man, football is such a big deal out here. And, you know, coming back in this environment, you really can't beat this. I couldn't have scripted my career to land <laughs> and fall on a, in, in a better environment than it is right now. That was Tashawn Gibson. Newest member of the Texans secondary. He will play safety. He has played corner, but that was a long time ago back at the University of Wyoming when I first studied him as a draft prospect. I have to go look at my computer. I would imagine I've got a draft report on him somewhere. I've got to go see what what it said. But uh, very, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? 
outgoing. He's definitely not a wallflower. Said he's going to chirp a little bit on the field. That was kind of nice. So your news, if you have missed it to this point, welcome back to Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter. Yesterday, not a great day for the Texans, especially the secondary. Tyron Matthew going to Kansas City. Kareem Jackson going to Denver. Kevin Johnson going to the Buffalo Bills. But today's a new day. And the Texans added a couple of free agents. One officially signed because he had been at Cap Casualty in Jacksonville, and that was to Sean Gibson. We just talked to him, and he was really fun to talk to. Played in that Jacksonville defense for three years. And very honest and open about that interview. I, I thought it was really cool when he talked about going to Jacksonville in the first place. And I remember when that happened. I remember when he went there in the first place. And he said, look, I was a young dude. I was undrafted. I was chasing a check. But now he's got the opportunity to step back with family and realize this opportunity is a good one. Later in the afternoon, we found out that Bradley Roby, formerly of the Denver Broncos, will take a one-year deal with the Houston Texans. Now, we talked about this a little bit, this one-year deal. Why would you do something on a one-year deal? Well, look what it did for Tyra Matthew. Now, time and place and timing and all that, I mean, that's got to all be right. But Tyron, Tyron cashed in. But I thought the promo that you heard on Sports Radio 610, if you've been listening, with Mike Meltzer talking about it, I think kind of kind of summed it up. I think everybody thought here that Tyron would be you know, better and worth $14 million. Look, there aren't a lot of guys at the safety position worth $14 million in the league. I mean, and I'm just saying that outright. I don't know if there's anybody at the safety position. I just go, yeah, he's worth... $14 million, but here's where you got to step back and go, wait a second. The market dictates what's going to happen, and the market for safeties went through the roof. That being said, you look at the contract for Deshaun Gibson, you got to feel pretty good about that because you're going to get a one-year deal of $10 million, apparently, for Bradley Roby, and then a three-year deal worth, on average, about $7.3 million for Deshaun Gibson. So you're getting Roby and Gibson for a little bit more than what you would have gotten with just one Tyron Matthew. So it's, yeah, I hate to see Tyron go. But if you're looking at it from a value standpoint, and I take you back to 2011, this entire town was screaming for DBs. Kareem was going to go into his second year, and hopefully he was going to get better, but they still needed defensive backs. They'd gotten scorched. The year before, 2010, Nami Asimov is the best corner market. Here's what I heard, and I've heard this from so many people this week, and I want to put this to bed. If you don't go get Nami Asimov, then you don't care. Then you don't care about this team. Then you're, then you don't care. Like, no. Because in 2011, the Texans said, we'll take Jonathan Joseph and Daniel Manning for what they're going to play for Nami Asimov. Nami Asimov goes to a situation in Philly. It doesn't work out. Jonathan Joseph ends up being here longer than he was ever in Cincinnati. Daniel Manning did a, a really good job, a solid job for the Texans at safety. They got two guys for the price of one, and that one might not have been all that good. And so they get Gibson, they get Roby. Now, what are the what are the future plans? Well, Ronald Darby, corner. Let's think about high level. Offensive tackle, and I know people have asked about this and people have talked about this. It's not happening because there are no tackles out on the market, guys. 
I've been trying to say that. There are no tackles on the market. So anybody saying, well, they got to go get a free agent. They don't. There aren't any. Once Trent went and took every dollar the Raiders were willing to give to him, and Juwan James, who I don't even know that you really wanted in, in all honesty, but he was the only other tackle in addition to Darrell Williams. But Darrell Williams is coming off a leg injury from last year. cost him to miss the entire year. Now, he doesn't have a home, so maybe you wait till to, maybe tonight. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe you make a deal with Darrell Williams and you say, look, that's a guy we can go out and we can get value from him because he's coming off an injury. And maybe he outperforms that. Maybe that's maybe that's what happens. But for the most part, the offensive tackle free agent class was Trent Brown and two guys coming off injury. That's it. That's all that was there. So I don't think anything will happen of that in that regard. But defensive backs, there's still a few out there. There's still a few out there. Number one, and by defensive backs, I mean corners. I think the safety thing, handled. Gibson, Hal, Reed, that's the way you go. Maybe one of the young guys, A.J. Moore or Mike Tyson, gets involved in that mix as well, kind of being the fourth safety. But your safety mix at that point is solid. Good. Corner, still got to work on it, even with Roby. Because now Roby's in the mix with J.J. Joe, with uh, Jermaine Kelly. So you still got to do some work. So what's available still at the cornerback position? Ronald Darby, that's the name I hear from a lot of people. If you don't go get Ronald Darby, you don't care. Look, Darby's coming off an injury too. What makes you think that Darby, and, and that's the one thing that everybody out there, me, me, you, all of us, I mean, I'm in an NFL building, so I, I, I have access to the, the trainers and the, the medical people, and I could ask them. I don't because I that gets sticky. I could ask them, hey, what do you think about Darby? Is he healthy? They're the only ones that know. They're the only ones that know. But Darby has not signed a deal. He's one corner. Bryce Callahan for the Bears, who played at Rice, he has not signed a deal. Now, he's more of a nickel. And as you heard Deshaun Gibson say about Aaron Colvin, Aaron Colvin's still here, and hopefully Aaron's going to have that bounce back year, and hopefully he has that with one of his fellow secondary brothers back there, Gibson, back in the secondary. So you've got Colvin. And Bradley Roby can always go to nickel if you if you got to do that too. But you're not going to move Roby inside unless you got somebody to work on the outside. So Darby's still out there. Bears quarterback Bryce Callahan, he's a nickel. I don't know that that makes a ton of sense at that point for you. Here's the one that I have, have looked at and I like. Pierre Desir of the Indianapolis Colts. He's a guy that of anybody that the Texans faced, he's a guy that gave – the Texans, and DeAndre Hopkins' most issue. That's the guy. Now, as I said earlier about Namdi Asamoa, you know, Namdi did things in Pittsburgh, in, uh, excuse me, in Oakland a certain way. Then he went to Philadelphia. He was doing it a different way. And there were a lot more expectations. And that probably would be the same for Pierre. Desir has not signed a deal. Here's another one that's intriguing. I actually thought when he went to New England last year, I was like, he's th- th- that's it, he's done. There's nothing left. But it's going to be pretty hard to get Jason McCourty out of New England considering that his brother looks like his brother's going to play a final year or at least another year. There's talk about retirement for both Devin McCourty and Gronkowski. But it looks like McCourty's coming back. Don't know about Gronk just yet. But McCourty has not signed. Jason McCourty has not signed. The way that he ran the Super Bowl, you think, boy, maybe he could do that 
for the Texans. Steven Nelson signed a deal with the Steelers. So here's the domino effect of Bradley Roby. And actually, it maybe starts with Kareem Jackson. The Broncos go out and get Kareem Jackson. And and maybe the thought was they weren't going to get Bradley Roby. So the Broncos get Kareem. Then we go get Bradley Roby. Roby was being looked at by the Steelers. Apparently, the Steelers offered him a three-year deal. And the 49ers offered him a one-year deal. And he said, I'm going to take the one-year deal with the Texans, get the prove-it deal, you know, stay in Houston hopefully long-term. I mean, that'd be kind of nice. But he turned down the Steelers. And why does that matter? Because Steven Nelson ended up taking the Steelers deal. Also, corners left on the board. Darquez Denard from the Cincinnati Bengals. Not a guy that can fly a good, strong, physical corner. But not a guy you go, who he can run with everybody. That's not kind of his game. Uh, let's see. Justin Coleman, he signed with the Lions. Uh, what other corners am I missing here? Uh, Kayvon Webster is listed. He's still out there. Obviously, he played, I mean, all of, what, 10 plays last year for us. We really don't even know what what he can do. One that's very intriguing, but I also think he's a nickel, is Jason Verrett from the Chargers. He's just been beaten up so badly by injuries. If he had been able to stay healthy, I think he would have been a huge piece for the Chargers defense. But he just he can't he can't stay healthy. So that's essentially what you have on the cornerback plate, if you will. That's what you've got. I think there's value there. I think Pierre Desir. Uh I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even mind a Jason uh, bringing him on Cordy. I got no problems with that. Jason, I thought, played pretty well last year. Gilmore played out of his mind for New England, but I thought McCourty played pretty well. So bringing in McCourty, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. So when I sat down and did my 53-man roster, I have the Texans signing another free agent and a rookie at corner. With the tackles, I actually have them drafting two rookies. Because I just – I don't think there's – any any player on this on this offensive tackle free agent list where I go, that guy, that's going to happen. Now, if you tell me that you can get Darrell Williams and Darrell Williams physically is going to be healthy enough, then that would be a guy maybe I'm like, all right, let's 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 go in. Let's go do this. But that's it. That's, that, that's all that's left. The corners, there's a little bit more depth. So I do think – there, there will be another defensive back signing. I do think it's going to be a corner. I think it's got to be a corner. I would be shocked if they're able to sign a tackle, if they're able to sign a guy like Darrell Williams. But that's that's taking a little bit of a leap of faith. But then again, look, they sh- they signed Chantrell Henderson to that leap of faith last year, and he was going to start for him. He actually did start for him, but then got hurt in week one. They've, brought, they've re-signed Chantrell to let him uh, step back into that right tackle spot. And if he's right, I think Chantrell's the right guy. And, again, it's another one-year prove-it deal for Chantrell Henderson. Hopefully this year he can stay healthy. But that's where I think it ends up at this point. I think it ends up being two offensive tackles that they're going to end up drafting, young guys, let them grow. Those are going to be the guys. And then in the secondary, I think after Gibson, after Roby, I think it's one more free agent, and then I think they end up adding a rookie, maybe even two. So where does that leave Le'Veon Bell? Well, he's one of the top five free agents in the league. 
And it leaves him dropping a mixtape tonight. Apparently that's the rumor. That at midnight, <laughs> midnight, Le'Veon Bell is dropping a mixtape or so- something of that ilk. Which I, you know, seen a lot of things in free agency, especially with those former Pittsburgh Steelers. But Le'Veon Bell has been given essentially a nighttime deadline by the New York Jets. Now, I bring up Le'Veon because I've heard from a lot of people that say the Texans should sign Le'Veon. They should... And at first glance, I'm like, well, let's take a look at two things. Number one, do I think it could happen? Number two, do I want it to happen? Would I like it to happen? And yeah, I would like that. I mean, the guy would add so much to an offense that needs, you know, more weapons. You got Will Fuller healthy with Kiki QT and DeAndre Hopkins, a healthy Watson. Now you had Le'Veon Bell into the mix. My gosh. <laughs> wow. But realistically, okay. But when I woke up this morning and I was looking at the teams that actually are quote-unquote in the mix, I see the Texans' name. And it's a little bit surprising, to be honest, because it just doesn't feel like a move the Texans would make from that standpoint of, boy, you're going to have to pay a lot of money. But what's happened apparently with Le'Veon is that the offer that he got from Pittsburgh was the best offer by far. He got like a 12 or $13 million a year offer in free agency, a long-term deal. He turned it down, and that brought on the whole franchise tag. I'm not playing the year out, all that kind of stuff. So Le'Veon turned down, and so the teams apparently that are in the mix are like, eh, you know, look, we're only going to go to this point. So there's a thought that, hey, wait a second. If Le'Veon kind of is in that range of, you know, 11 million, 12 million a year, hey, maybe we need to get back on this thing. Maybe we need to get in this mix. And the Jets are saying, look, we've put a good offer in front of you and make a decision, which I don't think has been a good strategy with Le'Veon Bell to be honest, but it certainly has got me thinking. I just don't think that it happens here. I just don't think. And that, that's not a knock on Le'Veon. It's not a knock on the Texans. I just don't think it happens here. With the way that the Texans have prioritized their their holes and what, what they're lacking, to throw a bunch of money at a running back just sounds like something they're not going to do especially one they didn't draft and develop. That just doesn't sound like something they would do. That said, Le'Veon Bell's not found a home. But he does have a mixtape coming out tonight, apparently. So uh, we've got that to look forward to. My guess is he's announcing on the mixtape where he's going to go. Now, the Ravens have been rumored all along. But I saw six teams in, in uh, on a tweet today that are actually still involved in this, and it was Ravens, Jets, Texans, Chiefs, the Raiders were in it, but they just paid a bunch of money to Marcus Joyner, so I don't think that's going to happen. And then uh, I think the Chargers were the other team. Boy, the Chargers. Man, the Chargers had any – oh, my goodness. But they've got Melvin Gordon, so that doesn't make a lot of sense. But those are the teams I end up seeing. So from that standpoint, interesting to see where Le'Veon Bell. He's one. He is the top free agent that has not signed, minus all the franchise tag guys. The other one is Earl Thomas who's coming off that broken leg. I think I kept saying an Achilles tendon. It was a broken leg that he had against the Cardinals last year. And he's not signed anywhere. And obviously he wants that $14 million Landon Collins, Tyra Matthew deal where he can get paid for a couple of years. Now he's 30 and he's coming off injury. So I don't know if he's finding the market not to his liking, but 
He has not been signed. Those are the two top free agents. And the next one, as I mentioned, Ronald Darby. That's the next one to keep an eye on. And he, of course, is coming off a leg injury. So that, of course, makes his prospects uh, pretty interesting. Had a great show. Got to thank Joanna back in studio at Sports Radio 610. She did an excellent job making sure I didn't say anything I was going to regret the next day. Thanks to to Sean Gibson, newest Texan. He stepped in studio and joined me, and we talked about uh, life as a Texan, literally and figuratively. Well, literally, as a Texan, he's from Dallas, and now as a Houston Texan. That's not figurative. That's literal, too. So, yeah, double dose of Texan for to Sean Gibson. So appreciate him, my man Omar, for making that happen. To all of you for listening, you guys are the absolute best. I will be back tomorrow. I didn't do it tonight. Long story, because it took Gibson a long time to get in here. I couldn't get over to Sports Radio 610, but I will tomorrow. I will take as many calls as I could possibly fit in to an hour tomorrow as the new league year actually begins and all these signings and trades can become official. And, oh, by the way, there's an Oklahoma Pro Day tomorrow, too. Some quarterback named Kyler Murray is going to throw. So keep it right here at Sports Radio 610. Adam Wexler and Josh Beard have got you for the next 45 minutes, and they're going to be the best damn 45 minutes you've ever heard. Thank you, everybody. See you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans. Touchdown! Texans Radio continues in a moment. In a moment. In a moment.